Hello and welcome to Asia Matters, the podcast where we step back and discuss in depth the biggest stories happening in the world's most interesting region. And what bigger story has there been in the last few years than that of North Korea? Those dramatic summits between its leader Kim Jong-un and President Donald Trump have raised hope for some that a peaceful settlement for North Korea is in the offing someday. But has there been any real progress? Mr. Kim has once again been threatening a resumption of nuclear missile tests recently, while a UN report says the country continued to violate international sanctions last year. To discuss this question and more, we have with us this week Chun In-bum, retired Lieutenant General from the South Korean Army, who was briefly a security advisor to President Moon Jae-in. Thank you so much for joining us, General Chun. Uh, it's great to have you on. First question really is, what's the feeling in South Korea at the moment? Making progress with North Korea has been a kind of signature policy and signature aim for the President Moon Jae-in. Does he still have support for that? Is there a feeling that this process, to the extent it ever was a process, has stalled? What's the kind of popular feeling in South Korea at the moment? Sure. First, though, I would like to thank you for uh, inviting me to uh, talk about these matters. You know, there's always been support for North-South progress or dialogue. Unfortunately, uh, many are disappointed at the progress that we've seen so far. We've had so many high hopes. Moon administration said a lot of things that built that kind of expectations. But now, you know, those expectations have come true. And uh, we've come to the root realization that nothing is going to likely happen soon. And so we've seen this before with the North Koreans. I personally had hoped that the new leader, Kim Jong-un, uh, would be different. But so far, uh, he's playing the same North Korea book, and it's very disappointing. So we're almost a year on, I guess, from President Trump's last meeting with Kim Jong-un. Those meetings obviously grabbed international attention. They were hugely dramatic. It was pretty amazing to see a US president even talking to a leader of North Korea. But sitting back from it now, with the perspective of the time that's passed, was anything actually achieved, do you think, in those summits? Has there been any step forward since President Trump came to office at all? Well, I guess, you know, we take for granted the fact that Kim and Trump have met. I think it was a, a diplomatic win for the North Koreans to be able to yeah. get the chance since their establishment as a political entity to be able to meet the leader of the free world, who happened to be Mr. Trump. Uh, so it was a diplomatic gain for the North Koreans. For the free world, uh, we got a glimpse of this young leader whom we thought was irrational and sometimes crazy. But we found him to be, you know, normal and uh, to a degree charming. So I guess you can say those were the positive sides, giving hope to dialogue and maybe some diplomacy and maybe a peaceful way out of this uh, quagmire that we're in. On the other hand, no substantive steps have occurred. Now, the United States and South Korea have stopped all combined exercises, the big exercises. 
And yet the North Koreans are not satisfied with that. They're still accusing us of uh, still con conducting combined exercises, which are now actually you know, your normal day-to-day -day training events. And they're saying, you know, we did not keep our word by conducting these normal exercises. So uh, it's very disappointing that North Korea just cannot give us a little bit more of a break. And if they could just show a little bit more uh, sincerity as to their denuclearization efforts, uh, we would have been far more ahead of where we are today. But is there a sort of fundamental impasse here that ultimately South Korea, the US, they want North Korea to give up their nuclear program and the North Koreans in turn want everyone else to give up sanctions on the country? But actually moving on from that situation is incredibly difficult because it's difficult to see who moves first. It's difficult to see the sort of verifications that you would need. Is there just a fundamental blockage here that uh, can't be got around? Uh, yes and no. So the United States, the free world, wants to have denuclearization of North Korea, which is verifiable and that's comprehensive and so forth. The North Koreans, it's not just sanctions. They've gone one step forward. They're saying it's regime security. Mm. So what does regime security mean? Well, they want a peace treaty, you know. They might even want U.S. troops from withdrawing from the peninsula. They said no, but they said that they weren't going to develop nuclear weapons as well, and they broke that promise. So unless we can verify the sincerity of the North Korean regime, I think it would be very difficult. So there's basically no trust here on either side. Right. So I think you know, in all negotiations that we that we humankind have seen throughout the ages, first is to build that trust, that confidence-building measures. The first step, you know, the combined exercises have been uh, scrapped. Uh, the North Koreans, we think they have what thirty, maybe a hundred nuclear weapons. Why can't they give up five or ten? Mm. You know. So now people are talking about freeze as the first step to denuclearization. But it could be a very tricky thing to do because, well, you're going to say freeze, but it still gives the North Koreans nuclear weapons for 10, 20, 30, 100 years. So all of this has to be really thought through, and uh, it's going to be a very long and arduous process. What about on the U.S. side? There's always been a suspicion that Trump, you know, that everything he kind of does, it's part of the whole Trump reality show, that it's all for the cameras. Do you think there's sort of substance behind what his administration has been trying to do here? Do they have the staying power? When you say it's all about trust, does the US have the patience? Does it have the strategy to build that trust? Or do you think it's been more of a superficial thing? Where, where do you stand on that? Do you feel that the US has been sincere? Or do you think they've kind of been a bit naive in the way they've dealt with North Korea? Well, I think, you know, North Korea and most of the world need to realize that free democracies have their ups and downs and changes. Mm. So no administration, uh, whether it's Washington or Seoul or Tokyo, 
is going to be a conservative uh, government for a thousand years or a progressive government for a thousand years. So it must be very frustrating for North Koreans having one good day and having three bad days and so forth. But that's just the way that the world is. So the North Koreans, I think they need to wake up to the reality that they can blame us for not keeping promises. But I'm sorry, that's the way the world runs. Now, for Mr. Trump, I think he's no worse or no better than any other U.S. president. Well, except for the great ones, you know. But we have to realize why Mr. Trump was elected by the American people, and it looks like he's going to get reelected. So why is this happening? You know, what kind of symptoms are occurring in the United States? And so... Do I think that he is uh, he's running a scam? No, I don't think he's running a scam. Do I think Washington could do better with a lot more understanding of Korea or Northeast Asia, Japan, China, and all these folks? Yeah, I think they need more understanding uh, about us, especially about North Korea. You know, we, we dangle this, uh, we can make you like Singapore kind of a deal to the North Koreans. But has anybody asked if North Korea wants to become like Singapore? (laughs) I don't think Kim Kim Jong-un wants to become like Singapore. I think he wants to have his own little fiefdom, you know, where he can give luxury items to his loyalists, Mm. suppress his people, threaten, you know, South Korea and the United States and all the free world so that he can maintain his, his kingdom. And uh, he, why would he want to turn, you know, his country into Singapore? Yeah. Although he did seem to quite enjoy seeing the sights of Singapore when he was there for that summit a couple of years ago. You say you think, I mean, Trump may get reelected. If he does, do you expect this to be something that he pursues in his second term? And conversely, do you think if the Democrats come in that there'll be continuation of the, the policy on North Korea or will they have a different kind of perspective on this? So I think the United States is focused right now on the United States, which they've said numerous times, you know, make America great again or, you know, America first, which is understandable. And I think because of this kind of logic that we'll be seeing a lot more of that if Mr. Trump is reelected. Now, is this good news for Korea, both North and South? I'm not too sure. And uh, the way that the United States has been acting recently, uh, some of the very uh, inconsistent policies that hmm. uh, that has occurred is really troublesome and worrisome for a small country like Korea. So I'm a little worried about that. On the other hand, the Democratic presidential hopefuls that I see, most of what they're saying about Korea Uh, North Korea and South Korea is not that different from the present U.S. government. So even if there is a uh, presidential change in the United States, I'm quite concerned. So the first step is for the United States to realize the fact that they are a great country, but no great country can do it alone. They're going to need alliances. And Korea is a good ally. We're now, you know, more outspoken ally, but it's only a healthy relationship. And I hope that uh, everybody will be mature enough to understand that and that politicians in the United States can appreciate alliances more better and allies better. 
If we're trying to be optimistic, though, I mean, there was that period at the start of the Trump administration where the rhetoric on North Korea from both sides seemed to, you know, there was a quite heightened tension. Trump himself made some quite bellicose statements at that period. At least with what we've seen over the last couple of years with the summit, can there be some confidence that we won't go back to those days at the very least, um, even if there's not actually much substantive progress on, you know, bringing some kind of peace settlement to North Korea or bringing North Korea more into the fold of the international community. At least we might not see the kind of worrying period that we had maybe two or three years ago now when Trump first came to office. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Now, let's just remember why Mr. Trump was talking about fire and fury and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> North Korea threatened to nuke the United States. I mean, what country does that? But you know, that's what made North Korea get on the front page news uh, and become a, the main news on every outlet and radio station in the United States. Now, having said that, uh, I don't think we're going to go back to that kind of situation because now, if I may say, President Trump is more mature and he has already met the devil, Kim Jong-un, the so-called devil, three times, and he now calls him a good guy. And, you know, there's some report there, I think. So I believe unless the North Koreans do something really seriously that endangers the United States proper or its allies, we're not going to see uh, heightened tensions of uh, name-calling and you know, military options as we did in 2017. Just one last question then. In the near future, in the coming year, what do you expect uh, in terms of US-Korea, North Korea, South Korea relations? What should we be looking out for? Well, there's a lot of contentious issues because of the unusual way that uh, the United States is proceeding with its policy. Sometimes we don't see a policy. Sometimes uh, we see the United States, especially on the cost-sharing issue, being very unilateral. But Korea is caught in the middle. We are in the middle of one great power uh, asking us for money and another great power asking us to kowtow to them. So the Koreans need to make a choice, You know, which, which great power that we need to ally ourselves. And from my personal view, I'd rather, you know, spend some money than have to kowtow to another person so, or to another country. So I've made my decision. But I, again, I think it is important that the United States and the American people understand that the United States is a great country, but they need allies as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we're just going to have to end it there, General Chun. But thank you so much, and thanks for your patience. Thank you very much. You have a great day. So I'm going to talk now to Tong Zhao. Tong is a senior fellow at the Carnegie Xinhua Center for Global Policy in Beijing. And Tong, what I really wanted to talk to you about is China's perspective on the current situation in North Korea. As we've said, things seem to have stalled somewhat in terms of the talks between the US and North Korea and the summits that we saw last year. How's China kind of feeling about where the situation is at the moment with regards to North Korea and its nuclear weapons program? Well, that's a complex issue. Mm. Um, there is not a very open and public debate on North Korea policy in China. There is not very much published 
writings or analysis uh, on North Korea or on Chinese policy. So my personal speculation based on my interactions with Chinese experts, officials, etc. My personal impression is at the beginning, many uh, Chinese, I'm talking about officials and experts, seemed to be really confident that Kim Jong-un is a different leader. He made a different decision. Uh, he was willing to trade away his nuclear weapons for economic and security benefits. Yeah. And the only problem was the distrust between U.S. and North Korea. So as long as China can help the two sides gradually dismiss their distrust and build up confidence, they can work out their problems and denuclearization would be achieved. But over time, uh, after some military between U.S. and North Korea didn't yield the results that China expected, I think some people here started to change their views. Still, I would say still some experts are confident or hopeful that a deal can be reached. And uh, North Korea is still willing to make a grand bargain about its nuclear weapons. But many others start to be more doubtful. They worry that there is not sufficient political will in Pyongyang to disarm. So there seems to be this growing division, and there is no clear uh, roadmap for Beijing to move the current uh, stalled diplomatic process going forward. What's the ultimate feeling in China amongst the Chinese leadership, as far as you can tell, about a nuclear North Korea? I mean, on the one hand, North Korea has long been a, an ally of China, as we know, and in a sense, it's a sort of buffer state between them and South Korea, which is a, a Western ally generally. But on the other hand, I guess they've had concerns about the leadership in North Korea over the years. What's the broad Chinese strategy here, as far as you can tell? What do they want to see happen in North Korea? What do they want to see happen with North Korea's nuclear weapons program? There is no doubt that China is very determined to uh, achieve denuclearization of North Korea, uh, mm. because a nuclear North Korea could potentially affect Chinese security in a very negative manner. Uh, as long as North Korea possesses nuclear weapons, there is no guarantee that those missiles and nuclear weapons wouldn't one day become a security threat to China. To China even itself. Though, yes, even though today the bilateral relationship is good. Right. In fact, it has gone through a period of uh, turbulence. North Korea never really trusted China historically, and mm. uh, I think many people understand today's relationship is based on mutual interests. Uh, and North Korea is basically uh, using China to increase its leverage against uh, Washington. So there is no guarantee that the bilateral relationship will forever stay positive. If bilateral relationship turns bad again, as was before 2017, a nuclear North Korea could become a security threat to China as well. 
In fact, at that time, when China was imposing sanctions on North Korea, Pyongyang already expressed open threat toward Beijing. And also, as long as North Korea remains nuclear, China fears it would provide an excuse for U.S. to strengthen its military alliance network in East Asia. Yeah. And for South Korea and Japan to build up their military capabilities, or even to encourage、uh, Japan or South Korea to go nuclear, those are seen by Beijing as very problematic to Chinese interests. So, if you ask Chinese officials, they I believe they are sincere when they say they insist that denuclearization of North Korea has to be achieved. However, there is this another factor, which is the rising strategic competition between China and United States. And under this environment, there is this concern that geopolitical competition between Washington and Beijing may drive people to think increasingly in geostrategic terms when it comes to China's North Korea policy. China doesn't want to lose its geopolitical influence over the Korean Peninsula, and it looks like, from the Beijing's perspective, in order to maintain its geopolitical influence, it has to、uh, maintain a close relationship with Pyongyang. That's the way、yeah. that China can secure its voice, its influence in the future、uh, security structure in this region. So to keep Pyongyang close to itself, and to avoid Beijing being marginalized, and there's this worry even that if North Korea-U.S. bilateral relationship improves too quickly, Pyongyang will be absorbed into Washington's orbit, right, and be used as a pawn against China. So that's another, I think, a factor that increasingly influences Beijing's perspective. So ideally, from Beijing's point of view, North Korea would denuclearize, but the Kim regime itself would probably continue. Is that that's the sort of ideal outcome for them? Is it? I don't think Beijing has a clear consensus view today. Right. Many people insist that、uh, North Korea has to be denuclearized. But others start to realize that is impossible to be achieved. China doesn't want to impose crippling economic sanctions on North Korea.、Yeah. It fears that doing so would run the risk of turning a nuclear-capable North Korea into a Chinese enemy. And they believe the U.S. doesn't have the political will to achieve that. The U.S. wants to keep. The nuclear problem continuous because it can benefit geopolitically from it. They believe the only way for this to be resolved is for Washington to offer sub- substantial economic and security assurance、uh, yes. benefits to North Korea, including、uh, to potentially withdraw American troops from South Korea and to change the U.S.-South Korea security alliance relationship. Many Chinese experts don't believe Washington is willing to go anywhere near that because Washington wants to contain China using its military presence in this region. So the thinking is, if Washington prioritizes 
geopolitical competition with China over North Korean denuclearization, then why should China doesn't follow suit? So increasingly, China is basically reinforcing its view that the U.S. holds the key to resolving this problem. And that's why I think China is putting more and more pressure on, on the United States, asking United States to offer substantial economic benefits recently by uh, submitting a joint proposal with Russia in the Security Council to hopefully uh, get some economic sanctions lifted for North Korea. Mm. They don't think uh, North Korea bears responsibility to the current deadlocked uh, discussion. They are simply putting more pressure on Washington. So interestingly, Trump, President Trump sometimes threatens to withdraw the troops from South Korea himself. So on the face of it, from what you're saying, there might be some mutual interest uh, between China and the US. But I guess, is it the case that there are plenty of people in Beijing who think that Trump's not serious when he says that, that somehow the establishment in Washington would prevent that from happening, or that Trump might not be president for much longer anyway? Is, is, is that the sort of thinking that actually, when it push comes to shove, the US is going to maintain its military presence in South Korea and Japan as well, of course? Well, uh, here, I think the Chinese interests are more aligned with President Trump's approach than between China and North Korea. On the issue of American troops withdrawal, it's not necessarily the key demand from North Korea. Right. Um, top North Korean leaders uh, have implied, uh, indicated that they may be okay with uh, U.S. Uh, keeping its troops in the future or even playing the role of, the, of a peacekeeper uh, in the region. But it's a key Chinese interest to remove American troops, American military assets. So I think uh, that's also why China is putting more pressure on Washington, asking Washington to meet the security need of North Korea. Beijing hopes that uh, in doing so, it can achieve its own interests in reduce the American military uh, footprint in this region. Whether the uh, President Trump would help Beijing achieve this goal is a different matter. I don't think the domestic politics in Washington is a decisive factor here. But from the Beijing's perspective, it uh, should continue putting pressure on the United States, regardless who is in White House. So its own security interests can also be met in the process of denuclearization. It's a fascinating situation. I guess another factor here is that ultimately China, although it may want to denuclearize North Korea, they also don't want to see that regime and the government there collapse in a in a dramatic sort of way. Because as I understand it, there's a long-standing fear in China that that would cause a flood of refugees into China that they might not be able to cope with. Is, is that uh, still a consideration in Beijing as well? It's really hard to tell. It's such a sensitive issue. I think it uh, depends on the relative stakes involved. Uh, I think it's generally correct to say that China wants to avoid instability in North Korea, fearing about the consequences of the refugees, etc., uh, run, uh, running across the border into China and all the economic political consequences of North Korean regime collapse. But if the stakes are higher, if we recall that prior to uh, 2017, 
North Korea was intensively testing nuclear weapons, ICBMs, pushing the region to the edge of a major military conflict. Uh, North Korea was even threatening China. So at that time, I think many Chinese experts started to think if the U.S. can somehow get rid of this nuclear problem or maybe even the regime in North Korea without causing any major regional instability, maybe China doesn't mind that. But now I think given the geopolitical situation has evolved, the thinking may have changed again. Now U.S.-China competition is more important. It's higher on Chinese priority list. And today under President Xi Jinping, Uh, he is a Chinese leader that re-emphasizes traditional Chinese socialist ideology, and he more identifies more with North Korea in terms of both countries' shared political uh, ideology. Right.、Uh, in that regard, I think China becomes more sympathetic towards North Korea. So、uh, I think this thinking is changing again、uh, in recent couple of years. So many. Complex factors at play here. Tong Jiao, thanks so much for talking us through those issues. My thanks also to our other guests Chun In Bum today as well. Thanks also to my colleagues Rebecca Bailey and Vincent Nee, and of course Alex Lestrange, who did the wonderful music for our podcast. You can contact us at, at Asia Matters Pod on Twitter, and our email is asiamatterspod at gmail dot com. Look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to you listening to our next podcast, which will be out soon. Thank you very much.